Now, you might recall the recent string of cases involving the underpayment of wages, involving some of the nation's biggest employers, including Qantas, Coles, Woolworths, even here at the ABC. Most recently, the Commonwealth Bank of Australia has admitted in the federal court to knowingly underpaying thousands of staff more than $16 million, exposing it to massive fines. And chemist warehouse franchisees in South Australia are headed to court in August this year for alleged underpayment of staff. All up, nationally, $532 million in back pay was uncovered by the Fair Work Ombudsman, much of it unintended though. And against that backdrop, a national survey of payroll staff has turned up quite surprising findings. Many of them are under-resourced amidst an alarming lack of understanding and training from senior management about what was needed for a compliant and efficient payroll. Ross Heron is from the Australian Payroll Association, which conducted this survey. Welcome. Good morning. What prompted this survey, please? The survey actually has been um, something that the association undertakes annually. So it's been in play for about eight years. Um, This particular year for 2023, we changed the lens slightly on the survey. Um, We wanted to focus more on the individual and the payroll professional. We wanted to focus on their well-being and the challenges that they faced in the profession. And you got some fairly startling answers. We did. We did. Now, we weren't surprised here at the association because we are in regular contact um, with payroll professionals. But yeah, we were really quite shocked, particularly with the number of individuals who were looking to move on from the profession within the next 12 months. So, you know, the report indicated that 31% of respondents were considering, you know, stepping away from the payroll profession, which is which is not what we want to see. 48.5% of those identified identified a lack of leadership and understanding of payroll to be the key contributor to this. I thought that was devastating. Yes, it is. It is. And, you know, we would love to see, you know, leaders here in Australia. And when I use the term leader, I'm talking about, you know, an executive or a director just generally take more accountability um, and responsibility for the payroll function within their organisation. Because you're right, the, the survey indicated that there was a, you know, a lack of understanding from leaders. There was a lack of payroll resources in place and just generally a lack of investment in the function itself. And there were 2,000 people surveyed working for big and small employers. So that's not a small sample. It's not a small sample. So, yeah, just over um, um, 2,000, as you say. And, yeah, the, the, the range of employer was between 100 and 3,000. Mm. Is the complexity of payroll underestimated, would you say, in terms of dealing with different awards, different workplace agreements, and particularly a more casualised workforce? Is this part of the problem? It is part of the problem. Um, you know, the industrial instruments that we have in place here in Australia, EBAs and awards, um, are complex. And in some particular industries, you know, such as aged care, um, it is extremely complex. Um, however, the complexities can be navigated with the right support and training um, to ensure that, you know, the employee who is completing the duty is paid fairly for the hours that they've that they've worked. But yes, it is it is complex, but with the right support and training in place, you know, that can be navigated and, you know, compliance can be achieved. Is it an area where technology should be more helpful, Uh, you know, with software packages? Are people not upgrading enough and not being digitally aware? 
Look, this is this is a, a point where I always smile because um, the reason I smile is because uh, you know if you have a look at any um, media um, article relating to underpayment in the last eighteen months, the majority will include a statement from the CEO or managing director blaming systems or blaming software. Now, software is really helpful, and there's lots of really great software out there. And you're right; some of it is older, and it could be refreshed, but it's not the underlying problem. The software essentially is configured by a human and directed by a human. Um, and if that human isn't qualified, then they can, you know, inadvertently make a mistake, which then has a knock-on effect with how that pay condition is interpreted, and the outcome could be an underpayment or surprisingly or not, um, it's more common to see overpayments um, than it is to see underpayments, oh. certainly in the work that we do. So I did see that your survey found that training only amounted, I think, to, on average, 1.6 days. Days, correct. I mean, correct. it clearly leads one to conclude that this is one of those functions that leaders say, oh, somebody else deal with it. It's in hand. It, it just rolls over. Yeah, and it's it's this. Um, I guess there's this view that payroll is a big red button that we push, you know, once a month or once a fortnight, depending on your pay cycle, and the magic happens. And it's just not that. It needs constant support. It needs constant investment. And training is one of those aspects that that, that absolutely the payroll profession is is is, is crying out for. Uh, it would seem from, for instance, the, the inquiry that uh, is being launched, further reforms coming from the Department of Employment, that the Labor government has decided enough is enough, that there have been warnings about this, you know, for several years, yes. and there just isn't enough vigilance and sort of urgency uh, to really tackle this. Now, do you think there is validity in that? There absolutely is. Um, and there are going to be, you know, there are now, you know, a provision um, being examined by the federal government, which will, you know, see um, changes getting forced through, which essentially will hold, you know, directors and executives with liability, that'll be financial penalties, um, for wage underpayment. But that, at the top of the show, you, you mentioned the, the, the term, you know, wage underpayment. It is it will come into play those fines when it's when it's knowingly, which isn't as common. We we do see a lot of organisations coming out with you know underpayment, but knowingly underpaying someone is is obviously wage threat theft. Yes, um, but and, and can I just interrupt? Because yes. in the notes put out from the department, it does talk about a certain sort of um, recklessness about uh, that there's an awareness of substantial risk, but there's yes. it's not followed through upon. Now, you can see how that is really getting under the skin of people looking on. Absolutely. So where there is, you know, that's where I go back to the accountability. So the leaders and executives within an organisation have to take greater accountability for their payroll operation or their payroll function to make sure it is resourced and it is funded and that they can process pays compliantly, um, you know, run on run. Right. So what would you like to see change then? What's a key change you're recommending? The key change that you know we're recommending are, and are advocates for is one we genuinely believe that the payroll profession should be recognised here in Australia, a bit like you know a financial controller with a formal qualification. Um, so you know that's either education, a certification for or a diploma in payroll management is available here in Australia, and then just an ongoing um, um, training to ensure that your payroll professionals are 
continually trained, continually knowledgeable as legislation shifts and changes. Um, and additionally, just support. There are support networks out there, help desk support that payroll officers can call and get a bit of support from. Um, so, you know, the raising of the awareness of the profession, um, education and training is, is, is absolutely critical. So but these are often very small teams. I mean, I, you know, I know what it's like at the ABC <laughs> and nobody cares until they care desperately, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, you're saying they don't have the prestige they deserve. Exactly, exactly. It's the recognition for what is a really complex profession. And, you know, as we went into COVID, you know, there were a number of new items that were forced in, such as JobKeeper. Someone needed to manage that at the drop of a hat, and that's the payroll function that needed to do that. So there just needs to be a greater awareness for um, um, the payroll professional and greater support from them within their organisation. Mm. Look, forgive me for putting it like this, but it's hardly... Mm seen as an exciting area of business, is it? <laughs> uh, you know, well, are you suggesting that that could be reframed for people coming in, you know, young people coming in who want to make a bit of a mark? Yeah, I mean, when I look upon the payroll profession, it is the biggest benefit that you offer to your employee. That's the wage. So it is so very important. If you and I don't receive our salary or wage, then we are not engaged in the workforce. We're not productive. Um, so it is super important that organisations realise the importance of the salary and the wage. And, you know, the profession itself um, is, is highly complex and it is extremely exciting as well. Is it? We, we, you, you can say that with hand on heart, can you? <laughs> yeah, it is because it, it's always shifting. It's always moving. Never, never one day is the same within payroll. This concept I go back to, I mentioned earlier, that there was just a button you press. It's not like that at all. Um, there, there are complexities that individuals need to be across. Never, never one day is the same in a payroll operation. Well, thank you very much indeed for outlining all that for us, Ross Heron. Absolutely. My pleasure. And Ross is uh, the Chief Operating Officer for the Australian Payroll Association, which I bet you did not know existed. And I might add that uh, there was a considerable inquiry conducted by the Department of Employment um, and it closed. Submissions to that closed yesterday, but I think there'll be more to come because uh, there are considerable reforms still underway. And I'm just going to read a text that came from our first hour and we looked at Build to Rent, this really possibly quite significant change in the way we're approaching our housing crisis. This is from Michelle in Canberra. Hi, Geraldine. On the topic of build to rent, my mother lived for 30 years in the same flat that was social housing in the Netherlands. The whole block of 24 flats were built to rent. They were affordable and well-maintained by the owners. She felt secure there and never in threat of having to move out. I do not understand why we don't have a greater investment in Australia in build to rent. Yes, it is much advanced in, in Europe particularly and of late in the UK and the US and maybe coming here in a big way. We will see. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.